Well, welcome everybody to the Blowout Foul podcast, episode 23. This week, uh, we're going to be focusing on the um, France uh, Grand Prix that happened uh, at the uh, Circuit Paul Ricard. Uh, It was a really great race, and we'll get to some details of that. Uh, I do want to wish everybody listening a happy Father's Day to either if you are a father or uh, you uh, are going to be a father or you have a dad. So if you do, make sure you give him a call and wish him happy Father's Day. So moving on to the race is really kind of an interesting, this was the, we had kind of back-to-back street races in Monaco and and Azerbaijan. And so now we're back to kind of a classic F1. F1 circuit. Circuit, you know, big, big power, you know, high speed track. And qualifying was kind of interesting. The first round of qualifying was kind of broken up a bit because uh, Yuki Tsunoda, uh, spun and then had some sort of gearbox issue, uh, so it red flagged part of the session. And then later in the session, uh, Mick Schumacher spun and uh, mm-hmm. damaged his. I think it was his left front suspension. Yeah, and that was Q two, I think. So was it Q two? It was Q two. Yeah, because Stroll in- was trying to get out of. He was trying to get out of the elimination zone. Um, right. But but basically, but he never got, got red flagged. <laughs> it was kind yeah. of funny though because when Stroll was zipping around on mm-hmm. um, whatever lap he was, basically, I remember he came on the team radio and was, said something like, um, "So what do you think? Should I go another lap?" And then the guy, his engineer, really hurriedly was like, "Yeah, yeah, you have to go. This is it. We're out of time." And he's yeah, it see you know, it's like it seemed like he was surprised by that. Like, oh shit. Oh shit! I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get go. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I felt bad for Mick because it was the first time a Haas had gotten out of Q one this uh, season, and then he ends up crashing out of Q two. So unfortunate, but mm-hmm. so uh, eventually, when it all shook out, uh, Max Verstappen was on pole with the two Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas, second and third. Uh, Max's teammate Sergio Perez was in fourth. Uh, Carlos Sainz, uh, there's a couple that I'll highlight just because of where they finished in the race. Carlos Sainz in fifth for the Ferrari, and then uh, Lando Norris uh, in eighth, and Daniel Ricciardo in tenth, both for McLaren. And they had very different races, which we'll get into. Yeah. So starting out the race, uh, Max is on pole. So they get to turn one, and his brakes lock up, and he goes wide. And so Lewis gets gets past him on the inside snow max in second and i i turned to you and i was like well there's the race like yeah that's what we you know that's our experience in 2020 yeah a mercedes on a big track with clean air like they're gone it's over yeah Mm -hmm. that's what we thought yeah honestly (laughs) we started like just visiting (laughs) right (laughs) and and watching (laughs) yeah yeah exactly we're just like chatting uh figuring it'd be over but what was interesting was really early on the race Multiple teams were complaining about the tire degradation. I think the tires were degrading more quickly than they expected. Um, Pirelli, after the last race, after kind of the horrible mm, yeah. experience in Baku, they uh, changed the PSI limits for the tires. So all the tires had to be inflated, an additional two PSI. And they're, you know that was their fix, I guess, for why, these, uh, why their um, tires had basically exploded. Detonated. <laughs> in Baku. So, but I don't know if that anything has anything to do with the the tire wear, but um there was 
you know, Lewis was on on the radio. I mean, he always complains about tires, but he was complaining about <laughs> tires. Max, I heard Alonzo on the team radio saying his tires were yeah. going pretty quickly. So it, it made it kind of interesting because a lot of teams were debating between a one and a two stop strategy. Uh, and, and if, um, if you're yeah, a str- like, if you like strategy and racing, this was the race for you. This was, yeah, yeah. I mean, even you know, I remember Valtteri at the end of this saying, "Hey." I told you guys this is a two stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Part part but, of my language, yeah. but he came on the. He's normally a very stoic guy. He's a typical Finnish driver, but he came on the radio and he, and he said, "I have to told make you guys these decisions on the fly, really like instantaneously." Mm-hmm. And um, I I kind of expected, you know, when the Red Bull uh, when they came into pit, I thought, okay you know, they're going to get out and then Mercedes will come in and, you know, we'll be kind of back into where we were. The, the Mercs will be out front. and Right. And then as I'm watching this, it's like Max is shooting out of the pit lane and Hamilton, I, you, know, you can see him coming down the straight and you're like, oh man, I think, I think Verstappen can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going to end up in front of him. And then he did, you know, he got out in front Right. And Hamilton yeah, the undercut and, worked. Yeah. And uh they were just right on his ass. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this isn't gonna last. This isn't gonna last. Mm-hmm. But as you saw, as soon as they'd hit those straightaways where the DRS zones were, mm-hmm. the Mercedes had open up, but they weren't getting any real ground. They weren't gaining any ground and it kept happening. Yeah. And it reminded me of um Azerbaijan when they were out there and the Mercs like you know, on the straights would catch up, mm-hmm. um, but they couldn't pass. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe these Red Bulls are really quick. And so then you and I started talking about, you know, uh, in qualifying, I remember one of the announcers was mentioning, like, they were making a ton of changes to Hamilton's car, mm-hmm. you know, and they walked over and were like, is, is everything okay? Like, what's going on <laughs> here? And they're like, nothing going on here. The car's fine. The car's fine. Yeah. <laughs> But they're yeah. like, you're changing a lot of stuff. And so we were wondering, did they dial up the downforce maybe to a they mentioned this during the race, like did they dial it up to a degree that hurt them on the straightaways? Right. Yeah. I mean that's the fine balances. You know, the it became very clear that the Mercedes were quicker through the corners, but then on the straightaways, they whether it's the power plant, that Honda power plant in the in the Red Bull or the fact that they're not running quite as high a downforce. Um, they, uh, you know, the Red Bulls had the advantage there, and and that's ultimately what kind of swung the race, I think, in their favor. And, and I so, I mean, it, there were a, a series of gambles being made, you know, in, this, in the race. You know, Mercedes was betting that their high downforce, high grip in the corners would get them the advantage, and they ultimately were betting on a one-stop strategy. Max, on the other hand, he ended up pitting uh, and su- kind of surprising a lot of folks doing a two-stop strategy. And I think it was with, what, maybe 15, 16 laps to go. Yeah. So he got yeah. some fresh kind of intermediate compound tires on, or medium compound tires on. And um, and if you've ever wondered to yourself, do tires and fresh matter tires, that much? <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was gaining a second to a second and a half per lap. And, you know, it was 
it's it's a it's a really interesting choice because you basically are making that choice thinking you know our driver is going to be able to drive at 10 tenths for the next 15 laps to pass yeah. the the you know the leading driver and and that's exactly what happens so on the second to last lap max gets i think it was either the the second, I think it was the second DRS zone. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets, I think so. uh, he drafts off Lewis, passes him, and is just and is gone. gone. I mean, he's done. Yeah, yeah, Lewis. Lewis was doing everything he could to make his hard compound he, tires last. Yeah, and he found some pace because I remember at the end of the race here, I was looking at there were you know, a couple a, laps. Yeah, there was like a stat that went up that was like he's Max is going to be within striking distance in four laps. Yeah. And then a lap went by and it refreshed and it said seven laps. Seven laps, right. And I was like, oh my gosh. And yeah, you there were commented, a couple. You're like, no, no, Hamilton's finding some pace. Yeah, I, you know, Lewis is extremely good at protecting his tires and driving that car even when the tires are starting to go off. And so he had a couple laps where he actually made up, you know, tenths of seconds on max. Uh, and or I should say, you know, gapped max by tenths of seconds, and you know, it just shows you how good a freaking driver he is. You know, Max, mm-hmm. as phenomenal as he is, is on fresh medium compound tires, and Lewis is still able to kind of give him a fight. You know, on hard compound tires that are at that point were probably the best part of thirty laps old. You know, um, and it, and it was it was really phenomenal strategy, but. It's it's great strategy for sure, but mm-hmm. then you've got to have the luck go your way. You know, you're trying to factor mm-hmm. in all these decisions. I'm sure as soon as Max went in, mm-hmm. Mercedes is like scrambling and they're looking at statistics, looking at prediction models and saying, we think we can outlast them. Like we've right. got this amount of gap. We're on the hards. This track is known to chew tires up, you know, pretty quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're thinking these mediums are going to burn out. Cause I remember on yeah. you know, the radio, they were basically Hamilton kept radioing and like, what's his pace? Where's he at? What's going on? And they were basically yeah. saying, you know, we, we think the last laps are going to be difficult, but the, mm-hmm. he's going to probably start to burn through those tires. Yeah. And I so think at one probably, point, at one point, Lewis's race engineer came on and said it was after those couple laps where Lewis had gained a little bit of time. And they told him, like, Max's tires are starting to go a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I think they made the decision not to pit. Right. Kind of like Red Bull did in Spain. Right. And the tables got turned on. Right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I think, I think Hamilton was maybe down 18 laps or at uh, that point yeah. in Spain. And you're like, can, can he chew it? I mean... He was also stressed out on that radio. I, I do distinctly remember some radio chatter in that race where he's like, how many laps am I, you know, how many how much seconds back am I? You know, <laughs> yeah, 18 yeah. seconds, 20 seconds. And and he's like, no, you can do it. We can do this. It's it's doable. And they right. did it. <laughs> yeah, they did it. No, the two-stop two stop strategy worked again. You know, one thing I wanted to comment on, you and I were kind of perplexed by this, but I, I, I found some clarification after the race. You know, Valtteri had 50 ish seconds between oh, yeah. him and fifth place. And we we're trying to wonder, we we're wondering why Mercedes didn't bring him in to try and go for a fastest lap. Yeah. Put him on and, some softs. But the reason was in the last couple laps, uh, Sergio Perez was under investigation 
for oh. his overtake on Valtteri. So oh. they were they were betting that Sergio was going to get penalized, and if he had, then Valtteri would have gotten third. Been bumped up. I so see. that was the gamble they were playing, and you know, unfortunately for them, it didn't play out that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the strategy machine, but it's it's gung, gummed it's, up this weekend. <laughs> it's funny, man. You know, I think people I that don't really watch F1, they just see oh, you know, cars going around in a circuitous circle essentially you know what's yeah what's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's so there's all these little games that are being played simultaneously i think it, you know it and even the fascinating um, race yeah one of the things i kind of love about it is the misleading chatter you yeah. know i i enjoy that where they're just like oh the fronts are gone the fronts are completely gone i'm, I'm basically out of control out here <laughs> right yeah for those that don't realize the, the team radios can be heard by everybody so when Lewis goes on his radio to his engineer and says, you know, the fronts are gone, <laughs> Red Bull can hear that, you know, Ferrari can hear that, everybody. So sometimes they say stuff that is complete BS <laughs> yeah. to, to mislead or to make them make another team think they're doing X strategy when actually they're doing Y strategy. It's it's a ton of gamesmanship <laughs> and it, it makes it really interesting. But um, so really great race. I just want to highlight also, you know, from where they started, uh, Lando and Daniel Ricardo ended up yeah. fifth and sixth for McLaren. Great race for them. them. Uh, as well as kind of on the flip side, uh, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc for Ferrari, they finished in 11th and 16th, which is just yeah. worrying if you're a Ferrari fan because they showed good pace on the city circuits. But now when you're getting on a big track, I think the Concern has been that the Ferrari is underpowered. That was the concern since that kind of FIA ruling got handed yeah. down, and all of a sudden the cars yeah. got way slower. I don't um, know if they what they mess with, but they mess. I don't. I think it was in like a. Go ahead. Sorry. There. Well, the rumor was that Ferrari had there, there's limitations. F, the FIA has limitations on fuel flow into the engines so your, mm. your fuel pumps and whatnot can only flow so at such a high volume and there was some talk that the ferrari was exceeding the flow limits i wonder how the hell they figured that out that's interesting i, to me. I must don't have know, just but, been like anyways. but they reached they reached kind of a closed door agreement that was never yeah. in it was publicized they were never yeah. they were never found like no wrongdoing was ever like publicly admitted to or anything but after that agreement, all of a sudden the Ferraris were two seconds <laughs> a lot, a lot slower. slower. Yeah. Uh, so I think the they're still a bit down on power, and in these big circuits, they're going to suffer. So a little you tough know, for I, them. But I was actually just looking at the list here because I, you know, a lot of times we'll watch these races and we kind of ignore the, <clears throat> you know, the front pack because mm -hmm. it's the Mercedes are out, you know, twenty seconds ahead. Mm -hmm. But this was actually a good race, so I wasn't paying quite as much attention to the mid pack. Mm -hmm. But I was looking at um, George Russell ended up in twelfth, so he was yeah. after Carlos in eleventh. Like he was yeah. ahead of Yuki, Esteban, Akon, and Antonio. Yeah, you know, it's like George had wow. a nut. He had a great yeah. drive for Williams. I think this is Hell probably their race. best result of the season. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's pretty cool. And I wasn't even paying attention to that <laughs> during the I race, know. which kind of sucks. <laughs> no, bad. I know. It's it's pretty wild that uh, George is making such 
Drive. He's making, I mean, it, he drove <laughs> incredibly well. Like you figure he finished ahead of an Alpine, an Alphatari, exactly. both Alfa Romeos, a Ferrari. A Ferrari. Um, yeah. So quite impressive. But um, hmm. yeah, so really a great race. And I think we're heading to, where are we heading to next? Well, the interesting thing is that one of the points that um, <clears throat> Christian oh. Horner made, and I I think he kind of meant it, you know, as a, you know they're always a little bellicose and just mm-hmm. chatter, but I think he might have been onto something. If we can beat Mercedes here, we can beat them anywhere. Oh, yeah. And I think the point of that for me really was reflected in we're out of these city circuits. And mm-hmm. now we're on kind of your prototypical They're fast home, home ground. Yeah, F1 circuits. And uh, these are the ones last year where as soon as the Mercs got into open air, it was good night, lights out. And uh, right. now it's it's a different story. And Red so I think it's battle. exciting racing, you know. Mm-hmm. No, it's I don't actually, really I don't like have any issues with Lewis Hamilton. I don't even, you know, I don't have any issues mm-hmm. with Max Verstappen. I mean... Sometimes he comes across as a little bit of a hard ass, but I think you kind of have to be an F1. But right. it's just nice to see some competition and That's, some yeah. dynamic races out front instead of the only interesting part of the race being in the mid-pack. Yeah, exactly. I, I It's nice going into races genuinely not knowing who's going to win, which, on you know, realistically, we haven't really had that the last couple of years, unless the Mercedes had, you know, mechanical issues. issues. <laughs> yeah, or, no. Or there was a wreck or something, you know. Yeah. It and wasn't this was, that competitive. We, we've all been waiting for this for a long time, where mm-hmm. we got to see a battle with Lewis and Max, and Max mm-hmm. actually come out on top. Like, we've, we've right. seen several battles where Lewis ends up, you know, taking P1. But mm-hmm. uh, this was the race a lot of us have been waiting for for a, a good long time. So well, that was awesome to see him deliver. And if you think about it, had a Pirelli not exploded, Max would have exactly. won three races in a row. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. kind of where I really reflect on last weekend. That was a that race was crazy. It was a blast to watch because of well, a couple of tire blasts. Right. But um, this race. There wasn't really like mechanical issues. There wasn't a lot of oh. like massive missteps. It was a clean race. Out. Pretty mm-hmm. clean race aside from, you know, Max, a little uh, judder on the, the you know, the, the start of lap. lap. Mm-hmm. After that, it was pretty much nobody made a misstep. No. <laughs> it was just like good racing. So yeah, that no, too it, can be fun, you know? Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to have an, 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 a race that was entertaining for all the right reasons. Exactly. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, next, you know, speaking of Red Bull, next week we're yeah. going to Austria yeah. for the yeah. the Steermark Grand Prix, and then actually there are going to be back to back races at the Red Bull Ring. Um, yeah. The Austrian Grand Prix is the weekend now, of July. So that will be an interesting track because I do distinctly remember those races last year where the mm-hmm. Mercs got into clean air and it was gone. It was over. Yeah. The, so, Red, the Red Bulls have actually ironically not run that well at the Red no, Bull. Yeah, exactly. Their home track. So. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that'll well, be interesting to see how they perform at that race because I think if if we're looking at them keeping pace with the Mercedes or staying ahead of them or catching up to them in the DRS zones in practice or qualifying, mm-hmm. you know, there's a good chance we're going to have a, a good race. Right. Yeah, I agree. So something to look forward to definitely. Well, we wanted to also talk about this episode something that you and i've been talking quite a bit about uh lately 
And that's kind of the current state of the used car market. Um, and we don't have necessarily detailed notes on this, but it's something we've been talking a lot about. Do you want to kind of talk about your experiences with where BMWs have been going? Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> I was on the, you know, I've just been on the prowl for a 2002 for a long time. And every mm-hmm. summer that passes, I just like look at my wife and I'm like, I should have bought one last year, <laughs> you know? And um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, with the at least the BMW 2002 market, part of the issue and maybe because why there's pressure in that market is there's a lot of people looking at the, you know, Porsche market and just saying, they're priced Boy, out of that. They're priced out. And so here's a nice, fun two-door, you know, German sedan that's a manual, you know, that, mm-hmm. drive, that offers a fun experience. And so I think well, those offers prices, an experience in modern cars don't really offer. Like try and yeah. find a lightweight manual sedan. Yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> You're, they pretty much come standard with computer and wire bloat. Now, yeah, but uh, and they're going to those be prices tons. have definitely been creeping up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard to exactly like quantify in these auctions, but 2002s last year that were selling for low twenties to mid twenties mm-hmm. are now in like the thirties, right? You know, low thirties. Uh, so it just continues to creep up. Obviously, you know, I think the pandemic. You know, some people were just sitting around thinking like, oh, my days are numbered. You know, I mm-hmm. want to get this car that for whatever reason, their connection to it is they're just like, screw it. I'm going for it. And, right. Uh, and so people are pumping a little bit more money into these markets right now. And a, a lot more eyes have kind of fallen on these online auction sites, bring a trailer being the most famous. I mean, that was a safe way to buy cars during the pandemic. And so I think the the sales have really, I remember hearing Shortly before Bring a Trailer's founders sold the site to, I forget who they sold it to, but before they sold the site, I remember hearing one of the founders talking about it on a podcast. And he said that, you know, they were worried that the pandemic would kind of tank their business. And he said there was a a dip early on in the pandemic when people were kind of not sure about their jobs, not sure how things were going to play out. And he said, but then. Then it came roaring back. Then it, it. They were doing record numbers. They were having to hire people faster than they, you know, ever had before. And That's so true. It just went nuts. And and I've seen the same thing. You know, it's really across the board. Uh, the I've been keeping an eye. I, I've mentioned before on the podcast. You know, my my next car that I would like to get, just for like a fun car, would be uh, a Nissan Skyline GTR. And the market for all of them has gone up cars that were R32 Skylines, which were, you know, maybe 25, 30 grand uh, a year or a year and a half ago, two years ago, are now $50,000. And the R33s, which were maybe 50 grand when you could first start importing them, are now, like a good one is now 60 to 70. But where the market has really gone just crazy is... The R34 GTR, which is kind of everybody, everybody that yeah. grew up in Gran Turismo and stuff like that's yeah. that. <laughs> that's the car. Yeah. The R34s, you know, <laughs> three four years ago, you could get a nice R34 for sixty grand, seventy grand, and now a good one is one fifty, and yeah. you're having to 
what people are doing, and it, this is just nuts to me, is they're buying. A, so the R34s aren't available to actually legally import until 2023, 2024, depending on when they're manufactured. And people are buying them for like 160 grand and then paying storage fees to store them in Japan for three years so they can be legally imported. Hmm. So realistically, probably, you know, you spend 160, you're probably paying 200, including storage fees. I mean, I'm sorry, like they're amazing cars, but they're not a $200,000 experience. I think think part of this is, you know, we've talked about this a lot. You know, I think some of it has got to be, there's a, a wave of people entering retirement and they probably decided maybe to enter a little earlier because of the pandemic. And now, you know, they're looking mm-hmm. at the mortality, having mm-hmm. experienced the pandemic, thinking like, I need to get on this. Like, mm-hmm. let's have some fun. I mean, we slaved right. away for 30 years. Let's get on it. And so I think, you know, there's there's part of that. And then there's like a group of people, you know, for, I'm not disparaging this, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying a little bit different when, you, let's say you you know buy Dogecoin mm-hmm. and you speculate, and one week you're you made you know a million dollars on some kind of funny money speculation stuff. Yeah. Versus you actually have to go in and do something that's like and not always pleasant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to yeah. do every day, and so yeah. your money feels a little different, I think. Right. And, um, and so for some of these people, let's say you're a, <clears throat> I don't know somebody who grew up on Gran Turismo and you, you made some silly website where they're basically like, yeah, well, we'll come over and, you know, pick up and wash your underwear. We only wash underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow you're worth $2 million now. Right. <laughs> somebody, somehow that's a great app, you know? And right. It's like, well, then you do whatever the hell you want. Who cares? Right. <laughs> I'm going to buy this Skyline because it's my yeah. dream car. <laughs> right. I think, I think there is a lot to that, you know, the speculation game. I'm not sure if it's just because of the rise of online sales and bots and and whatnot, but the speculation game has really, I think, ravaged a lot of different consumer product and, you know, consumer product areas. I I know that, you know, with part of this is related to, to cryptocurrency, but, you know, gr- GPUs are ridiculous. We saw yeah. it with the PS5 <clears throat> and the Xbox. Yeah, we, trying to track one of those down was a nightmare. Yeah, as a as a sneaker collector, I have seen that with sneakers. You know, you're, you're, there are certain types of sneakers, you know, like when Nike releases them, that you just, you're not going to get. They're all bought up immediately by bots, and then they immediately show up on resale websites like yeah. StockX and uh, a few others. And it it's frustrating because you say, well, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to quote unquote speculate, you had to sleep outside of, you know, if you're trying to get a shoe, you had to sleep outside of Foot Locker and try and get in line, you know. Now yeah. you pay some third party vendor for a bot service or you build your own script and you just, it just happens, you know? So it's a lot easier to do. Yeah. Next thing, next thing, you know, you know, two days later and you got 18 of these shoes showing up at your house. Right. You know, and then, and then you're selling them for, <clears throat> you know, I've seen a few of them, a few of the more kind of highly anticipated shoes that have come out. You know, you, you go to stock X an hour after the shoe dropped and they're, they're up for sale for two, three hundred dollars more than 
than what their retail price was. Yeah, and, and I think and you know, and then it gets yeah, and because then it gets sold to folks with monopoly money. And I'm not right. saying that in the sense that I also would like monopoly money. I'm saying it from right. the sense that I don't have monopoly money, right. so I can't <laughs> right. do that. Can't compete. It's, yeah, so it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's it's a real challenge because you you look at uh you know, a lot of enthusiasts, I think, run the risk of being priced out of their hobby yeah, that's because a... you're trying to like you're trying to buy a car that a decent example of five years ago was maybe yeah. ten, fifteen thousand dollars. Should not be selling for these amounts. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. So, one of my um, colleagues reminds me, he's like, you know, those were originally came out to be economy cars. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's really it's tough because you don't not want it just because it keeps going up in price. So then it's just the math gets harder and harder. Yeah. And that is the million dollar question that a lot of people I'm sure are asking themselves as you and I are, where the hell does this go? Are we looking at a sustained change here for five years? And then Mm -hmm. a decade from now, there's a lot of EV, you know, conversions, you know, it's like the supercars that were held as super, cars in the does this go wouldn't be buying these cars for the sake of you know be worth right. double the cars that like you and i are enthusiasts mm-hmm. you know i i don't plan to put this thing in a museum when well, i get the, it the, but the weird thing is um, too with something like a 2002 you know most of the time the cars that go up in value it's because they were highly desirable and limited production now the 2002 cars that are crashed or left to rot over the years certainly but this was not a limited production car and and even the skylines you know they made a lot of skylines and so that's the thing that is the the muscle car market the classic muscle car market kind of cooled down um you know this past weekend or this weekend the bear jackson auction in las vegas my dad was kind of texting me some of the results and there was a a shelby gt500 that you know, back in ten years ago, when when the muscle car market was going insane, yeah. that was probably a four hundred thousand dollar car, and I think it sold for like one ninety five or something like that. Yeah. So, and and it's because of what you mentioned, like the guys that had a sixty nine Camaro as their tr- poster car when they were sixteen. Yeah. Those guys are now in yeah. retirement. They're homes. entering a different They're, phase of life, and if they never were able to get that Camaro, they're probably selling it by now. Yeah. So have cars being flooding back onto the market by these people that are selling because they're they just aren't driving them anymore and the people that are coming in with the money in their that are in their 30s and 40s and 50s wanting to buy they didn't grow up daydreaming about a yeah, 68 Camaro. they're not they're not they agreeing grow- to the price point and that's i think mm-hmm. i don't you think that that's kind of characteristic of a lot of these scenarios where you have these bell curves in terms mm-hmm. of valuation where you yeah. kind of like hit a peak and it's probably associated with a generation and right. then as that generation ages the price comes back down yeah i think i i think you could look at there's probably a fairly neat correlation between what cars were cool when you were 16 their value when you're about 50 and then their value when you're about 75 yeah. because that's going to be a bell curve because, because it takes until people are in 
to their midlife and making yeah. a good salary yeah, to old those things <laughs> that they wanted when they were 16. And so, I, you know, that's why you're seeing Skylines taking off. It's not just because you can legally import them now. It's because that was forbidden fruit for everyone that was a car person that's our age in their 30s, early 40s. That's a and good book. That's a good now point. The, now those people are getting money and able to indulge in. And the 2002 is a similar thing. It's it was that was a late 60s and 70s car, and people. It's it's in a unique place, like we said. Like that answers a question that is not being answered by a lot of yeah other, many other cars right currently. And so people say, "Man, I just want a small, fun little sedan." Yeah, well, it's kind of re- don't reactionary. Currently. Yeah, exactly. It's reactionary to the reality we live in now, where all cars are freaking huge, and most of them are crossovers and mm-hmm. and very dull, very insulated, right. you know, and so very they're, samey. They're all good, but they're all the they're same. Very appliance like. You expect the mm-hmm. dishwasher to do this, and and so I think that's why people seek them out, you know. And I there's probably there's probably truth to a lot of what I'm about to say for maybe a number of cars, but I think the 2002 market is kind of interesting because you've got a bunch of people who buy them as project cars mm-hmm. and um, just kind of tinker with them because it's approachable. You know, they're not, there's not a lot of computer chips in them and all right, it's very analog. Mm-hmm. They're carbureted, like you were saying, you know, and then um, you've got a middle group of resto mods Mm-hmm. And some of them come out as, you know, Frankensteins and they put these crazy BMW M power engines in there <laughs> and right. they're just monsters. Right. And right. then, you know, you've got the top end market. The car they, cars. Yeah. And they, I mean, I was reading uh, posts on bring a trailer from one that went for, it went for 93,000. Mm-hmm. It was um, a blue uh, TII. And it was just mm-hmm. a fascinating discussion to read, like the people who went into the auction and, and were basically like, my budget was 75. And then when it passed 75, I was like, F it, I want this car. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to see how those bidding sites Psychology. Can, can be dangerous. You know, you get yeah. into a hyper competitive state and you're yep. just like, <laughs> you're just especially, seeing blood, Well, especially you know? if the thing is, if you're spending. Say if you have a $75,000 budget for a (laughs) fun weekend car, you're probably a pretty successful person. And which oftentimes means you're probably a pretty competitive person. Yeah. And so you can probably soak it up if you're, you know, realistic. You're just like, right. (laughs) I think it's a pretty fertile ground for a lot of overpaying, which, you know, people talk about a, a bring a trailer premium now, like, you're going to pay 10, right 10 to that. 15% over market value for a car if you buy it on Bring a Trailer. Because- you know, and one of the things that's been interesting is to go back, you know, because I, I waste a lot of time doing this, but mm-hmm. I'll go back and I'll look through bids from prior cars and I'll see people mm-hmm. and their names keep popping up. They and keep trying. Yes. And, it, and it's funny because it gives you a sense of like if you get into a bidding war with this dude or dudette, he you know that this is where they're kind of, you know, peeking out at. Like some people yeah. will say, the wife will kill me above 30. Oh, or sure. you'll see them bid one up to 35. And so if you're in a bidding war and you're hoping to keep it under 30, you kind of get the sense that like 
that guy is ready to go above this. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's yeah. really going to want to want car. Yeah, you don't want to see him bidding on the car that you want. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially if he's lost a couple times. Yeah. He might be he, even revved up to go. Yeah, the anger is setting in. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's a fascinating discussion. It'll be interesting to see where the market goes. Um, yeah. Recently, there was a report from one of the government budget offices that talked about inflation uh, going up, you know, more in the past year than it had in, I, don't, I forget yeah. how long, but the single, the one item that went up the yeah. most yeah. was used cars. Um, yeah. They were up 27%. And there's other aspects to this that we've touched on before, the chip shortage that we mentioned in one of the yeah. past episodes. Yeah. You know, so the, the rental car, car scenario, yeah. Rental car issues. So, you know, there there is a less stock available on dealer lots. And so, you know, we saw, uh, you know, the, the nine 11 market, I I watched the GT three RSs just, just out of curiosity to see where they're going. Yeah. And there's a car for sale at the same dealership that I bought my car from. That is a nine, nine, one dot one, a 2016 with similar mileage. And they're asking 20 grand more for it than I paid for my car. I mean, it's just crazy, you know, it's, and it's an ugly specification. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, crazy yeah. where it's going. You know, I'll add another data point to that. We bought our Volkswagen Alltrack. Oh yeah, you're telling me about um, this. What was this? So it was a 2019. We bought it last spring, kind of in the you know early stages of the pandemic, where we were all kind of sh- you know shitting our pants, wondering what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah, I don't even know why we we're buying it at that point. That's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we bought it and we got a great deal cause these were all, you know, 2019. So they'd sat on the Gotta lot, get them off the lot. Yeah. 2020. And they consolidated them all at like one Volkswagen dealership. Yeah. And they were just like inundated with them. like 40 of them or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we went up there and just got, got one for a steal. And, yeah. uh, I just had a curiosity this weekend. I went on Kelly blue book and just asked like, what, what would a cash offer be on this? And it was mm-hmm. four grand more than what we um, had paid for it. Yeah. And yeah. I thought that's fascinating because that's just like the cash offer, which yeah. could potentially be the lowest offer you get. So if you actually yeah. were buying another car, trading it, maybe a little more. And if you wanted to go through the process of private party sale, mm-hmm. you could probably get even, I, I would hazard that we could probably get maybe like eight in a private party sale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is just, no, I know. it just tells there, you that's insane. <laughs> there have been news articles about Carvana offering people like five, 6,000 over Kelly blue book for their car. And that just shows you where the used car market is. I mean, in terms of stock, I can tell you, I, so when I was on uh, the website of the car dealer that I bought my car from, and I saw that 2016 RS, I would tell you when I was looking for my car, I, if I went on their website, they would have five pages of stock, mm-hmm. different yeah. cars. They had, they had two pages. I mean, it, it just shows you like yeah. it's, it's down across the board. So the well, pickings yeah, are yeah. very slim. So like a good example of something like a low mileage example or a nice specification of whatever kind of car is just at a super premium right now. It's a really hard time to buy a car. And I think the question in my mind is how long does it go on for? Because right now you're 
you know, he's reading this article in Jalopnik about a bunch of people, you know, renting U-Hauls to get around Hawaii because oh, rental yeah. cars have gotten so expensive. Yeah. So you got those guys sucking up volume, trying to mm-hmm. replenish because everybody's been stuck at home and they want to get the hell out of the house and do a little mm-hmm. traveling. Yeah. And, um, and then you've got people that need cars. Oh, and mm-hmm. then by the way, we've got a chip shortage, right. which they're saying could go on for a while. Cause you can't just spin up a foundry out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. They were so saying I'm thinking that to myself, how the hell long is this going to go on for? I think it's going to be years. If you're talking about, if you're talking, <laughs> I think you're if, right. That sucks. <laughs> if you're talking about getting new cars, you know, there's some, there was one major car company. I forget what, what car company ran, but he came out and said that, uh, you know, he thought it was going to go on for a couple of years at least. Yeah. And then if you look the question I think is a bit different for the classic car genre. I think there you're looking at, you know, true. Are are people are there going to be more and more people that see electrification and hybrids and they say, "You know what? I really just want something analog." And yeah, I want that's what I mean that reaction. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be more and more people that say, "You know what? I love driving." I I want something analog. I want a manual. I don't want to have eighty six touch screens in my face. Like exactly. I just want yeah. analog. Gauges. I've got I've got my battery daily driver, and and for my you know fun car, I want to be engaged with all of it. Yeah, the whole experience I, exactly. So I I think there actually will continue, not just because of people our age being able to afford stuff like this. I think it's also this realization that the electrification and hybridization of all cars is an inevitability at this point. And it's a reaction to that saying, you know what, I, I at least want one of my cars to be interesting and fun and engaging. And so there's just gonna be more competition for the good stuff that's out on the market. Pretty much. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that'll be interesting up. to watch. <laughs> but, well, anything else you want to add, buddy? No, I do think we should revisit this subject, though. There's, there's, yes, probably more to discuss on this, and uh, it'll be interesting to see as things kind of unfold throughout the year. You know, oh, obviously, well. you've been tempted by the skyline. I've been tempted mm-hmm. by the 2002. But you know, you say to yourself, "Gosh." Maybe I should wait. Maybe I'm yeah. buying high. And then invariably, I'm sure in two years, we'll look back and be like, shit, we should yeah. have bought back then. <laughs> I know. It's, it's hard. And it's, it's, like buying a, it, it's like buying a stock. And that way you're like, Pretty when much. do I get in? <laughs> and when do I yeah. not feel like an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, anyway, thank you all stuff. for listening. Uh, another great show. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm sure recapping uh, the first of two back to back GPs at the Red Bull Ring in, in Austria. And uh, until then, please uh, rate us and uh, give us a review on, on iTunes or Podbean, wherever you listen. Uh, it really helps the show out. Uh, visit us on Instagram at the Blow Off Valve Podcast. Uh, it's a great place to. Ask us questions, stay in touch when new shows are going up. Uh, And until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much.